Anybody been praying strong this week? You know what? I hate it when God does this to me. When I preach something on Sunday, that then He makes me live the rest of the week. You know, and I, I preach praying strong. I pray strong, and then I have to actually do it. Last Sunday, I shared with you about um, Colin and uh, our grandson, two-year-old, and how you know, I had to pray over him this, that the last week. He had gone to the emergency room, and uh, you know, they had to take him in and you know, prayed over him, and praise God, everything's great. This last Thursday night, while Jeff was back there crying, I was torn up on the inside because they had just had to take Colin back to the ER. And the things that they were, you know, things that were happening with him was stuff that's, you know, could have been something, could have been nothing. You got kids, you understand. If you don't have grandkids, it's pretty much the same thing. Your mind starts thinking about all these things that it could be. And then you start thinking about if they can't find it, they're going to put him through all kinds of tests. I don't want him to go through that. And I'm like, God, I just testified about this on Sunday. Don't take this away from me, God. And, and the word just came to me, pray strong. And so I kind of listened for a moment to God, exactly what? And I just felt it. I just said, God, I ask right now that he be healed right this moment. They find out nothing's wrong, and they send him home now. A few minutes later, I got a text from him. Everything's fine. We're about to leave the hospital. We're heading home. Pray strong. Amen. Pray strong. And, and, and I say that to you because I'm, I'm going to say it a little later. Sometimes you got to fight. You got to fight for even what you've got. Okay, because even though you got it, you, got, you still have to go back and fight again. Okay, you understand. So pray strong. Last week we talked about praying specific. God, I want him healed. I want him right now, God, send him home. I, pray specific. Because if you pray wishy washy, hey, God, I want some, you know. That's not strong. Pray specific. We talked about the anointing oil. A lot of you got the bottles last week. and So I hope you've been praying specific. How that was, a, that was like a, a thing that God has given to us, a, a reminder, a way to, to focus so we would understand what praying specific is. So this morning, I'm going to preach to you about something else, another step in this praying strong. And we're going to talk a little bit about the blood in a few moments and how the blood of Jesus works into our strong prayers. If you're going to be able to pray strong, you've got to understand what the blood of Jesus does for you. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you, we focus on you right now. I thank you, God, for God the, the joy of standing in your presence. And know, Lord, that it's your presence. God, I thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. And God, when you just, like, do it again, you just put an amen on top of what you've already done. I thank you for that, Lord, and I pray. There's somebody, there are some bodies here, Lord, that need to learn to pray strong, God, so that they can begin to see you operating in their life. God, you operating in the lives of those around them. God, as Jeff said, maybe it may be prayers that uh, haven't been answered. Lord, they need to learn. Help us learn. Help us get it, God. Help us see and understand and find a strong foundation to base our prayers on. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, let me give you a, a, a little illustration, example. Imagine you're going to a friend. You're going to go spend some time with a friend in their hometown. They still live there. They lived there all their life. They live there now. When you leave town, they're still going to live there. I mean, this is the place for them. I mean, they know everything about it. On your way into town, you pass a restaurant. 
nice-looking little restaurant. Got a cool sign out front, cool name on the restaurant. You know, and you get to their house. You say, hey, it's almost lunchtime. Why don't we go down to this restaurant I saw? You call the name of it. And your friend says, you don't want to eat there. Do you still say, no, let's go? Do you still say, no, let's go eat there anyway? Is that, is that what you do? Would you still say, let's go? Uh, imagine that you say, I don't know, man. The name of it was really a cool name. Remember, it's so, and, and, and it looked really good. On the outside, it looked really good. I really think we ought to go eat lunch there. And your friend says, you don't want to eat there. Do you still want to eat there? Knowing that he's been there all of his life. He knows the restaurant. He knows what the health rating was for the last six months at this place. Do you still want to go eat there? You, you know, he, he's the one that knows, you know, the reputation that it has in town. He knows how many of his friends, you know, you don't know, but he knows how many of his friends have gotten food poisoning at that restaurant in just the past few weeks, right? Do you still want to go eat there? I mean, wouldn't that be crazy to go into somebody else's hometown and tell them, no, we're going to this place because I think this is the, when they know, that's crazy, isn't it? Another little example, going somewhere with this, so hang on. Imagine one of your friends, one of your best friends calls us, hey, I, I got to go out of town for a few days. If you're free, I'd love for you to go with me. It's going to be a road trip. I got to drive my car, so I got to pay for the gas anyway. It won't cost you a thing. I'll even buy all your meals, everything on me. So you agree, you know, it's good to spend some time together. You get up that morning, you know, you leave, and on your way out of town, you say, hey, you know, the, the, the place that's got, the fast food joint that's got my favorite biscuits right up here. Why don't we go through the drive through and, and, and let's get, you know, breakfast biscuit on the way out. So you get your favorite breakfast biscuit, you know, you're eating that. About 11 o'clock, you, you know, you're, you've already started thinking, and you say, hey, you know, in about 30, 40 minutes, we're going to be at such and such town here on the interstate, and one of my very favorite restaurants said, let's stop there and eat. And, you know, you're beginning to be a jerk. But the person driving the car, you know, that's paying for all this, they're trying to be a gentleman or a lady, you know, and, and so they, they go ahead and pull in. And the same thing happens at dinner that night, maybe the next day or however many days it is. You know, I mean, really, honestly, do you do that kind of a thing? If somebody says, I'm going to pay, do you, do you say, well, let's eat here? Or do you buy the most expensive thing on, on the menu when, when they're paying the bill? Do you say, I want this and I want this? And do you do that kind of thing? Because you might not think it, but I think that's being a jerk, you know. But then your friend is a gentleman or a lady. And when you get home, imagine then you get home from this trip and, you know, they're dropping you back off at home and they say, man, I really appreciate you going with me. I, I'm glad I didn't have to drive all by myself, spend all this time by myself. And, and you know, and, you know, we ate a lot of places I didn't really care for, but they were your favorites. So, hey, that's good, I guess. You know, you've got to eat your favorites. But I tell you, there's one good thing for me is called I was going to take you to a lot nicer places than that. And so, hey, I got extra money in my pocket now since we got back home because I was going to take you to some really, really, really nice places. But you wanted to go to your favorite. And so that's okay. You got to eat at your favorite place and I got to keep some money. So it's better on me. I wonder if we're going to get to heaven one day. I hope you do get to heaven one day. I hope if we get to heaven one day, Jesus says, you know, this life road trip you and I were on, this life trip, this journey, you know, I didn't agree with everything you chose to do, but we worked through a lot of it, and you made it here. But I got to tell you, there were a whole lot more blessings that you never saw. Ooh, I believe every one of us is going to get to heaven one day, if we get there. I hope you get there. But I believe we get to heaven one day. I believe every one of us is going to find out about blessings that we did not get.
Wouldn't it be horrible if he had a video of all these blessings and things that we could have had? And, and then he shows it to us, you know, that he shows us his video. So look what you could have had. I mean, I mean that, that almost take the joy out of heaven, wouldn't it? Think, man, how much, you know, if God did all that for us. Or, or, or in the same way, imagine that your friend, that you've gone to their hometown, you know, as you're leaving that, you're leaving, you know, later that night, they say, you know, uh, I, I hope you like that place. You know, I, I, I'm not feeling real good. And I, I was, I had a five-star restaurant I was going to take you to this evening. You know, I know the chef. I know, I know the owner. I'd already set it up. They're probably wondering why we didn't show up tonight. They probably had something special for us. But you wanted to eat there. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you feel, how, how, in the, how in the world do I allow myself to miss? Because, you know, sometimes you're too busy talking to listen. So, so let me share just a little something with you about praying strong. This, this right here is um, the foundation. This is the basis. This is the place we begin. This is how we know to pray strong because of the foundation we've got. This is what I want to give you this morning, okay? A little bit about blood a little later. Right now, there's some understanding right here. Okay, let me take you to some scripture. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. Now, uh, if you go back to the verses just before verse 33, Jesus is listing all these things. He talks about all this stuff that you need in life, all this stuff that you're wanting in life. And he said, you know, the, the sparrows, you know, the, the fly around, they, they, don't, they don't worry about it. The, 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 the lilies of the field, they don't worry. They don't have to worry about all these things. God takes care of all these things. He says, all this stuff, all this stuff, all this stuff. He says, seek first the kingdom, and then all these things, they'll be added to you. It'll be taken care of. You know, it's kind of like what he's saying is, on this life journey, this road trip that you're on, you know, turn to Jesus and say, Jesus what do you want to eat today? And, you know, and let me tell you something. I, I always reserve the right when I tell somebody, you pick where we eat today. I reserve the right. And I'll just go ahead and tell you in case you and I are going out to eat one day. If I say you pick today, I always reserve the right that if you say a Mexican place, I always reserve the right to say no. We're going to pick some other place, okay? And so let me, let me, just, let me just ask you, like Jeff said this morning, give God one more chance. Can I ask you to just give him a chance today to just turn to Jesus and, you know, the, the, the next time you've got a need, which may be right at the end of this service, just turn to him and say, Jesus, what do you want to do for me today? You know, because I know some of us are looking like, oh, well, Jesus, he doesn't want to do as much for me as I. No, he wants to do more for you then you can even think or imagine that's what he has dreamed for you. So give him the chance. And because it may be that, you know, you're about to pick, well, I started to name one of our favorite local uh, hamburger joints right here, but I don't want to offend them, especially if anybody works there. You know, uh, you may be picking a place like that, and Jesus is picking a five-star place with all the, spiritually speaking, you may be picking something so small, and Jesus was dreaming about something so big, and then you pick this. He said, really? That's what you really want out of life? You know, First uh, John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So when I say, Jesus, where do you want to eat? He says, I want to eat here. He said, ooh, yeah, Jesus, uh, let's go there. And when you say that, you know what? You know you're going to eat there because that's where he said he wanted to go, right? So when you hear him say, I want to do this, you say, Jesus, do this in my life. I know I'm going to get that. This is the confidence I have that if I ask according to his will, I know I'm going to get it, you know? Uh, what's your favorite restaurant? Armando. Uh, same thing Nick said in the early service. Sushi Village. I like Sushi Village too. So guess what? I bet if after service I say, Armando, 
Let's go to Sushi Village, my treat. I bet you, unless uh, unless this pretty little girl sitting beside him has already promised him something better than that, I bet you he will say, yes, let's go to Sushi Village. I bet he'll be on, on the same page with me because I know that's his favorite restaurant. So when I ask God, God, what is it you want to do for me? And he says, I want to do, boom, this for you. And I say, God, do that for me. I know I'm going to get that. Okay, and uh, John chapter 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will, a- you will ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Okay, the context here, Jesus is talking about, about the vine. He is the vine, and we're all the branches. And if the branches abide in the vine, now the only way to not abide in the vine is to get cut or broken off, right? Okay, if you get cut or, if you don't stay connected to the vine, that's what he's saying. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you like the sap and all the good stuff, you know, going in through, and it goes into you and out of you from Jesus, you know, and all the stuff that's in the vine is going. And so you're abiding in him and all of his stuff is abiding you and just going back and forth and all this. There's, a, there's this vine branch relationship that's working. He said, then you can ask what you will and it will be done for you. Okay. Now, I, 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 know, I know what some people are thinking because I know how a lot of people think and I've heard people say this kind of thing. They said, what you're saying, pastor, is we don't get to ask God for what we want. Now you can ask God for what you want, but if you want better than you want the best you can get, then don't don't be don't be in, thinking about those kinds of things. Let me let me let me ask you this. How many of you believe this morning that a million dollars would solve every one of your problems? Every one of them. Now think before you ever raise your hand. How many of you think that a million dollars will solve every one of your problems? Raise your hand. Because I was gonna say, come on down, we'll pray for it. That's all you need. That's easy. I mean, God owns the whole world. He can give you a million dollars. And if a million dollars would solve every one of your problems, he could do that for you in a hurry. Man, you'd be all, you wouldn't ever have to, I don't have to listen to them pray anymore. They've got it all handled. You see, but, but how many prayers do we pray like that? God, I need $50. I need $200. God, I need this. And, 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 and say, God, what are you, and maybe God is, maybe God's got another plan of how he's going to do and take care of that thing. And you're, you're just thinking about money. You're just thinking about those little things. And the way we look at this sometimes is like, man, we got to, we can only ask God for what he already wants us to have. But what you don't understand is he wants you to have the very best. He is, the, he is that friend in, in, that, in that, uh, that, that hometown that knows the very best in the hometown. And so when you start asking for those things, you're asking for such smaller things than he wants to give you. He is that friend that is taking you on this beautiful road trip and that he, you know, he's paying for everything and everything's paid for it. Everything's wonderful. And, and he's going to take you to the very best. He's got better plans to eat of places than, than you've got. And, and, and we, we sometimes forget that let me, give you, let me give you two things to note from these three verses right here. First of all, Christianity is relationship. Okay, he's the vine, we're the branches. There's a relationship. Christianity is relationship. It is not 15 seconds of coming to the front of the church and saying, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me my sin. Thank God, I'm on my way to heaven. Praise the Lord. Okay, wonderful, yes. But Jesus Christ did not die so you could have 15 seconds with him. He died so you could have a relationship with him. He died so you could have a relationship that would begin today, would last the rest of your life, and even into eternity, you and he would be together. Christianity is a relationship. And in this relationship, this relationship is not about, hey, he's paying for everything, and so I get to choose what everything is. No, 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 no. Remember this. Note this. Jesus paid the price for everything. So you know what? He deserves you You know, you just need to give him the honor, the respect of every once in a while, if not every time. But ever, just, just please just say, Jesus, what do you want to do in my life today? What amazing blessing do you want to bring? 
Go ahead and tell him, say, God, I got this problem right here. And I don't know what to do with it. What are you going to do with it, God? Oh, and just get that cute little smile on your face. Somebody was walking out of, out of the church a little while ago with a big smile. I said, what in the world are you smiling for, Abram? You're going to understand that in a minute. What are you smiling about, Abram? Because God has given me a promise, and I don't know how he's going to do it. I'm waiting to hear. And so then when he speaks, and then receive and believe. This is a relationship. And in the relationship, there's give and take. This is not about him writing a blank, signing a blank check. You know, like I said to you last Sunday morning, we don't take the bottle of oil and go down to the car dealership and start anointing cars and say, this one's mine, this one's my wife's. And we don't get that, no. But it's like, uh, I was talking to somebody after the early service and we're both in the same place. We're both driving an old car and the air conditioner's gone out. We can't decide whether to fix it or get a new car. You know, so I'm saying, God, you got to speak to me. And they're, they're like praying, saying, God, what are we going to do with this thing? It's exactly, God, what are we going to do with this? You know, I, I, I'd hate to go, go put $650 into an air conditioner in a 20-year-old car. And I know, don't feel sorry. Uh, you, you can feel sorry for me if you want to drive in a 20-year-old car, but you don't have to because it's the trooper, the mighty trooper. I mean, it's the one that me and my grandkids, I mean, it is the car. So you don't have to feel sorry for me. I mean, this is the car. I think it may be even harder for me to part with just because it's the mighty trooper, you know, that I've been driving around everywhere for all these years. You know, it's hard to part with. And I I don't know, but I put $650 into it. Who knows what else goes wrong with it next week? But you know what? I serve a God. I'm in relationship with a God who, who, who lives there. Because think about it. When you start thinking about things in the spirit realm, When you start praying in the spirit realm and you're not just thinking about how much money it costs to fix the air conditioner or how much money it costs to buy a new car and you start saying, start start thinking about, you know, the future God and what everything has to hold and what God you're planning for tomorrow and what you want to do. You start thinking about the spirit realm. Guess what? You're in Jesus' hometown. That's where he, that's where he has spent all of his time. He has been, that's his hometown. He knows where everything. And so ask him, say, what's the best here in town, Jesus, when you're in the spirit realm? Say, God, show me what you want to do in my life because I can tell you something also he also spent time in your hometown this earth he was here for 32 33 years and ever since then he's been watching what's going on on this earth he understands everything and he knows more about everything so by all means first of all turn to him say what do you want to do Jesus okay but our relationship and here's the word you need to remember is covenant you need to remember this word that's what we're preaching about today is covenant and and covenant Sometimes we don't understand what covenant means because a covenant with us is something that can be signed and it can be torn up. We can, dis- we can Not with God. Not a biblical covenant. There are covenants in the Bible like uh, God had a covenant with Adam and Eve. God had a covenant we call the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, the one that He gave to Moses and the children of Israel. It's the Old Testament. We have the New Covenant or the New Testament that is, that is through Jesus Christ and His blood on Calvary, the New Covenant. But there, there's one covenant in Genesis chapter 15, that to me explains the covenant relationship that we have with God. And it's explained through the covenant that God made with Abram. Okay, so let me, let me show you something about this covenant that God made with Abram. We're going to read some scripture here. Abram or Abraham, same guy. His name was Abram. God changed it to Abraham. Okay, so same guy. If you see Abram or Abraham, uh, anytime you know it's the same guy. What is this covenant? There, there are three things about this covenant that were important there that are important to you about your covenant with God. You need to understand this if you're going to pray strong. This is the foundation. This is the basis for praying strong with God. The first one is it includes God's promises. Thank God. Aren't you glad that wasn't left out? The covenant includes God's promises. 
So, so you know, all the things that you need or want, what they're included in the covenant. They were included right here. I'm going to show them to you in just a minute. Secondly is man's acceptance. Man cannot do anything. You cannot buy this covenant. You do not have enough ability. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough talent. You don't have enough anything. The only thing you can do is accept the covenant. Okay, God, this is what it, I accept it. That's all you can do. Now, inside that acceptance, there is some obedience. But the obedience does not buy the covenant. The covenant is paid for with something else. But your acceptance is just like, you know, car dealer you're dealing with. You say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a car. They come back with that last thing. They say, here's, here's the lowest we can go right there. And then what do you do? You sign at the bottom. I accept this. You've got some things you've got to do. But you accept it. That's all you can do. You accept it. There's some obedience in that. But the obedience is not what, takes, what does it. And what does it is this thing that seals it, and it is the blood. There are covenants that are sealed with all kinds of stuff, but the most powerful thing in the universe is blood. I, I know some people think money is, is, is the most, uh, most uh, valuable thing. I know some people think real estate is the most valuable. I know some people think silver and gold are the most precious things that are out there. There's nothing more precious than blood because, can I tell you this? You can lose all of your money and bounce back. You can lose everything you own and come back, but you cannot lose all of your blood and live another day. The blood is the most precious thing. And every covenant of God was sealed with blood. Ones I talked to you about, mentioned just a few moments ago, and including this one. So let me show you this covenant right here. Genesis chapter 15, beginning of verse 3. Abraham says to God, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. He's saying, God, I'm an old man, I'm married to an old woman, and we ain't got any children. And so when I die, some, a servant in my house is going to inherit everything I've got. God said, no, no, not so. This man will, that you're talking about, this servant will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be an heir. This old man married to this old woman that had no kids. And God says, you're going to have a child. What an awesome promise. A childless couple in their ancient old years, way beyond childbearing years. And God says, you're going to have a child. And not just any child, you're going to have a son that will take your name on and will inherit and receive everything. So that's the first promise right here. And then God took him outside and said, look up the sky, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. God's point is here, nobody can count the stars, right? So go outside, you see the stars. God says, so shall your offspring be. So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and God credited it to Abram as righteousness. So now we see a second, second promise. second promise is not only are you going to have a son, but from that son is going to come a huge nation of people, so many people, more than the stars in the heavens. Just like you can't count them, you won't be able to count all of your descendants. An amazing promise that is there because this guy doesn't even have the first son yet, and there's a huge promise that is there. Okay, and then, then it says, and he begins to believe, or he begins to accept this. He believes this, and God accounts it to him for right. So now he accepts it. So now we've got two of the promises already. We've got two great promises, and now we've got the man's acceptance. And then let's see, it's going to be sealed by the blood. Uh, oh, wait, we've got another promise thrown in here also. And so uh, God also says to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. So he says, I'm giving you this land that you're standing on. Remember, Abram, that's why we're here. That's how we got here. You're getting this land, okay? So another great promise. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of this land? So, okay, he's accepted this. I accept this. God, I believe it. But how will I know? What's it going to be sealed with? And God says, bring me a heifer, a cow, a goat, and a ram. A cow, goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Now, this is something that's kind of weird to us. We, we don't do this kind of thing anymore. 
Uh, thank God some of you don't have the stomach for it. Uh, poor little Adam wouldn't have been able to make it. I mean, he really struggled this week with the, with uh, the little bit of pain that his wife went through. You know, But uh, I, I told Adam I was hoping he would be in this service so, so he could be a, a sermon illustration for me. But, but uh, we can't deal with this. And we don't understand it. You find it in the book of Jeremiah. I think it's around chapter 33. You can find it there. But also you can read other historians say this is how they made covenant back in those days. And, and what the Jews said, they didn't make covenant like you and I say make covenant. They cut covenant. Okay, that's what they would say. They would cut covenant, which, which meant that hey, there's going to be some blood spilled here. We're going to cut covenant. You know, and say, that's weird. Well, you know, we kind of say cut a deal, cut a deal. That's where it comes from, cut a covenant. Okay, so they cut a covenant, meaning there was going to be blood spilled. Here's what they did. And, and, and I know this is weird, but this is the way they sealed very sincere or very strong covenants. He had to take the cow and he cut the cow down the middle. He dissected the thing right down the middle. This was not a surgical procedure where there was no blood. He took a saw, and he just sawed that thing right in half. And then he put half the cow over here and the other half here. He took the goat, and he did the same thing. He sawed it in half. Blood's going everywhere. And he just set one over here and one, over, one side over here. And then he takes the ram, and he cuts it in half, and he puts half it over here. Then he takes the two birds, the, the dove and the young pigeon, doesn't cut them in half, kills them, lays them on each side. Okay, so now he's got this little path, and, man, it's a bloody path. Anybody ever been to a slaughterhouse? Anybody ever field dress a deer? Uh, how about how about how about okay? How about just open up a squirrel? I mean, you know, anything you cut like that, you're gonna get some blood. But this is a cow. I mean, a cow, you know what kind of blood there was all, all over that? But from a cow, you know how big a cow is? A cow and a goat and a ram and two two dead birds. This is a bloody place. And so here's here's what they do it is is that then the person that is making the promise, making the covenant, they walk through this. And as they're walking through, here's what they're saying. They're saying, if I do not live up to all, uh, all the things I promise in this covenant, may I become like this cow, this goat, this ram, and these two birds. May I become dead. May I become slaughtered. May I become bloody. May I become all this. That, that's, what, that's what the statement that was made. And so you know who walked between this right here? Not Abraham. But when the sun began to set, the Word of God says, just a few verses down from me, when the sun begins to set, set there is, there is a, a burning fire that comes from symbolic of God Himself that comes and walks through this bloody mess and says, and this is the sovereign God that says this. He said, if I don't keep every one of these three promises that I've made to you, may I become. God is saying, may I become like this cow and this goat and this ram and these two birds. God is saying this. So you know the next morning, Oh, I got, I got to tell you this one, one more thing because uh, I, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the message uh, before we prayed. Is that while, while, while he's waiting on God to show up and do this, guess what happens? He's got the promises. God's made the promises. He's got the acceptance. He's got the blood. God hadn't shown up yet. You know what happens? Birds of prey begin to come in. Vultures begin to come in, and they start picking at the carcasses and eating away at the carcasses. So what do you do? Uh, Abraham says, oh, well, there goes my promises. Is that what he did? That's what a lot of us do. Come on, somebody say amen or oh me. That's what a lot of us do. We get a promise from God, and the enemy starts to come in and starts taking away our promise, and we say, oh, well, God didn't mean what he said. Yeah, God meant what he said. He gave you the, the promise was already made, and, and, and the conditions and the, and the covenant is already right. Everything is there, and the, the birds of prey, the enemy, our spiritual enemy starts to swoop in and take those things away from us. What is it time to do? It's time to do what Abram did. He grabbed his staff. He grabbed anything he could. He started whacking away at birds. They get off. You know, get off that. That's my promise. That's my covenant. That's the thing God has given me. And 
he starts fighting. And it wasn't just one bird that showed up, but multiple birds showed up, meaning that sometimes you got to fight and fight and fight and fight again, even for the things that God has already promised you. Listen, the promises of God, he has already dreamed an amazing future for you. He has already planned, and the promises and blessing, they're already written somewhere. He's already got this figured out. But the enemy wants to destroy them. He wants to defeat That's why you've got to learn to pray strong. And when the enemy comes, at you got to still stand on what I'm going to, what I'm telling you about today, you got to stand on this assurance and stand on this foundation and pray strong and say that I know. The next morning, somebody sees Abram, he's got a big smile, you know, ear to ear across his face. They say, Abram, what are you smiling for, old man? He said, let me tell you, this old man's about to have a little boy. So Abram, how in the world do you believe you're going to have a little boy? He, he says this. He says, it's because I've got a covenant with God. And it's not a covenant bought with monopoly money. It's not a covenant bought with American money. Thank God for that, right? Come on, somebody. It's not a covenant bought with silver or gold, but it is a covenant bought with the most precious thing in this whole world. It is bought with the blood. Here's what he is saying. He's saying, I know I'm going to have a child, a male son, an heir. I know I'm going to have a son because of the blood. Oh, come on, somebody. Get ahead of me right here. Say amen, two and two. Put two and two together and, and realize where I'm going with this. He said, I know that I'm going to have, a, God also told me I'm going to have a huge family. That son is going to give me descendants. It's going to be more numerous than the stars and, and all nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of my family. And you know how I know this? I know this because of the blood. And he said, you know what else God told me? God told me this land I'm standing on today is my land. I say, well, that's pretty good. No, I'm not just talking about the acreage because that's what a lot of us think about. We just think about the acreage, right? No, it was the whole land, the whole of Palestine. God says, this this earth belongs to me. I'm giving you this part of it, Abraham. And and, and Abraham says, you know what that means? That means I got up, I looked around today, and I saw deer running across it. You know, I can kill a deer, and I can have have venison for lunch today if I want to have venison. Or or there's there's rivers and streams and creeks and and lakes out here, and, and, and they're out there just for my enjoyment because this belongs to me, and they're full of fish and, and you know and I can go out and I can catch the fish and when that boy is born I'm, I'm going to teach that boy to fish so he can eat the fish that is coming from the lakes that is in the land that God has promised me and, and the minerals and, and all the stuff that is in the that is in the earth they belong to me as well and you know what I can I can grow gardens and I can take care of my family and all the families that are coming for me and the descendants they're going to be able to take care of their families because of this and you know how I know I know that every one of those needs everything I need in life is taken care of in these three promises that are given to me and you know how I know? I know because of the blood. Amen. Okay, so let's bring this up to date now. So how do we know? We know because of the blood. You see, because when Jesus Christ died, and here, I need to throw this at you just a little bit right here because some people have argued, they've argued this point, that you can't plead the blood over anything except forgiveness because the blood of Jesus was only shed for forgiveness of sin. No, that's not true. The blood of Jesus was shed for the forgiveness of sins, but the blood of Jesus was the covenant. It was the covenant. His body was broken on that hill outside the the, the city walls of Jerusalem. His blood was shed on top of that hill. And because of that blood, you and I have covenant. And in that covenant, there is peace. In that covenant, there is power. In that covenant, there is strength. In that covenant, there is wisdom. In that covenant, there is direction. In that covenant, there is healing. In all of those things, there's covenant. And so, so when you pray in the power of the blood, you can pray for all of those things. They are provided for you. They are given to you. They are right there. And so today, here I tell you, pray strong by praying in covenant. See, here's what I know a lot of people do. They want to find reasons to twist God's arm. 
God, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, you might say, God, I, I'm the best looking in my family, so you've got to do this for me. Problem is only just a few of us that are best looking in our family, and it's all up for argument, isn't it? Or God, I can sing better than anybody else. I can play my instrument better than anybody else on stage. Problem is, there's always somebody that can sing prettier. There's always somebody that can play better. You don't have anything. You don't have anything with which you go to God and say, God, give me, help me, answer this need, meet this need. You don't have anything except the blood. You don't have anything except the blood. You, you say, well, no, I, I, you know, I was praying another day and I reminded God of that you know, when, when, when the church went to feed the homeless. And I reminded God, God, I, I need you to do this for me. And God, I went to feed the homeless with the church for a half hour when we did it on that Saturday two years ago. Come on. What else has happened in those two years? What about all those times you were disobedient? What about those Saturday nights? What about those times when you thought nobody else was looking, and only but you and God saw that? And, and what about those times that you knew, and you were making a decision, and you knew God wanted you to do this, but you did something else? You acted in rebellion. You acted in disobedience. What about all those times? I mean, because if you're going to say, God, you got to give this to me because of who I am, you've got to tell him about all those times too. Pastor, I can't believe you'd bring up my past. can't believe you'd bring up my sin. I can't believe you'd bring up my disobedience and my rebellion and those things because I prayed about that. I prayed and I asked God to forgive me. And he took, he, he took it, you know, and he, he washed it all away. And, and you know, and now, I, I, you know, we can't bring that up anymore. Nobody can remember that anymore because it's all under the blood. You see, you don't have anything except the blood. But can I tell you, the blood is enough. It's enough. And it's the only thing that gets God's attention. He is not swayed by anything you can buy Him or anything you can do for Him. But your faith in the blood. Pray in covenant under the blood because of the blood. And if you plead the blood, and I do this often, if you plead the blood, if you say, I plead the blood, all you're saying is, because of the blood of the covenant, I ask for healing. Because of the blood of the covenant, I ask for this financial miracle. Because of the blood of the covenant, I ask you to restore my marriage. When you plead the blood, that's all you're saying. You're praying on top of the covenant, which is the foundation of your faith. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let me ask you to do something, if you would. It's a little crowded down here sometimes, but I want to ask, if you, if you would, could we come down to the front this morning? If you're a first-time attender, we don't do anything weird down here. We just, we just sing a song and close in a prayer. And so if you don't mind joining us, we'd love to have you as well. This, this, isn't, this is part two. This is step two of praying strong. Pray specific was last week. If you didn't hear that message, please go to the podcast and listen to it. Next week is the third one. If you, for some reason, aren't able to be here, please get there. Squeeze on in if you can. Let's get them out of the aisle if if at all possible. The only thing you've got is the blood, but it's enough. Because every, every promise of the New Testament was paid for by the blood. So in the covenant, you have everything by the blood. That's the foundation. Stand on it. That's why I know 
it's the confidence. It's my faith. I know, I know, I know, I know I've got this. Just like Abraham, I'm smiling because I know this is handled. I know it's done. It's going to be okay because of the covenant, because the blood. Didn't just pay for it. That was, that was the payment, but that was also God saying, it was like him inking his scripture, his, his uh, signature at the bottom of it. It's in his blood. It's all done. They're going to lead us in a final song. Just, just before you start, and please, please don't start singing until you finish praying.